Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. Um, with me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello. <laughs> Hello to you, Keith. Uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I am. And j- okay, good, good to know. <laughs> Uh, that was really a formality, no response required, but glad you responded anyway, so everyone else knows. I will always respond. Uh, yeah, no, no, by all means. Um, and joining us today for the first time uh, is our good friend, Kendall May. How's it going, Ken? Hey, how's it going, JJ and Keith? Uh, pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, man, thanks for thanks of for course. coming on and you know taking the time to uh, record and talk about um, a movie today. So, um, so for our uh, episode today, we are talking about the 2007 musical film Across the Universe, uh, directed by Julie Taymor. Um, this movie falls into the category of having a negative score from critics and a positive score from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes critics give this movie a 53% approval rating and audiences give it an 82% approval rating so 29% difference there and the critical consensus says psychedelic musical numbers can't mask across the universe's cliched love story and thinly written characters so uh, a bit harsh from the critics consensus there on across the universe but we'll see how uh we stand on this. So, what do you guys think initially? Like, um, you know, this hey, is this movie you guys saw when it first came out, or you know, have you have you seen this in a while? And um, what like is what what are you thinking of this divide? How audiences like it more than critics? And we'll start uh, with our guest Ken. Okay. Um, yeah. I will. I actually do remember seeing this film in theaters uh, in two thousand seven. Uh, I may have even seen it with you, JJ, if my memory doesn't fail me. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, so, actually, yeah. And, uh, you know, both of us being Beatles fans, of course, mm-hmm. it was uh, an eagerly anticipated event. And, um, you know, I remember cur- going to the theaters, curious about what tracks they would select. And, you know, I went as a Beatles fan, specifically seeing the film because of my interest in the band. Um, and I walked away with a, with a great impression um you know, a few of the choices baffled me a little bit. It's, you know, things like uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy come to mind as freaking mm-hmm. me out a bit. Um, and then I, I rewatched the movie yesterday. And, um, you know, uh, I, I can see the criticism about the thin plot. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if that necessarily uh, diminishes the movie too much for me, but... You know, upon watching it, it's, it, you know, it's true, like, you know, the, the plot isn't the most robust part of the film, and the characters aren't the deepest, but, uh, you know, I think that's missing the point, because there is, like, an emotional center of gravity to the film, and, um, and you know, the lyrics of the song do a lot to push, push that, like, emotional current forward, and... Um, you know, I think it feels. I mean, the, the 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 music as well as the visuals are all there in place, and uh, you know, the the personality of the songs themselves enough mm-hmm. 
you know compensates for like a lack of development in uh in character or plot because that's where the focus is so yeah definitely the songs are the things that uh take center stage in this movie um so i guess maybe that was the idea to focus more on that as opposed to like writing like fully developed characters as one normally would expect in like you know in in conventional movies um but what, what about you keith what was your impression it's really good no i uh it's been about a decade since i've watched it um like back in college one of the houses i lived when i lived in during the summer one of the kids got like a like with the with the cable thing you could get like a stars for free for the summer and it was one of those there were three movies that played constantly it was step brothers con air and this so it just ended up being on a lot of the time and i feel like i had a summer fling with this movie three really movies kinda... three movies that really have nothing to do with each other I no but it was just like that. movies that were always on like sure, it was yeah. just like wow they're playing this again and i kind of yeah uh i think you took Julie Taymor, who is mainly for theater. Like she mm-hmm. kind of revitalized Lion King and kind of tried to revitalize a Spider-Man. Uh, but she brought her theater background, and I think this movie pay, captures the essence of why we like the Beatles and did some creative things with the covers. I, I listened to this. I watched this movie a couple days ago, and there's songs sticking with me. Sure. On how they do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, you know, if anything, I mean, yeah, I, I, um, I'm a big Beatles fan. It might be a, um, so I go like in waves listening to the Beatles. You know, like there'll be times where I just it's all I want to listen to, and then like you know I kind of move on for a while. Uh, and I feel like this movie is getting me back into another wave because uh, some songs I really haven't heard in a while. Um, and uh, having like listened to Beatles more thoroughly than I did back than I was back in 2007, I kind of was even picking up on a lot of the Easter eggs in this movie yeah. not all the songs this movie has a lot there's a yeah. lot of like references to Beatles songs that aren't necessarily performed right like right off the top mm-hmm. I think within the first five minutes there's an old guy who's like well I thought when I was 64 like da 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 I'm like mm-hmm. okay here we go like it's the beginning just little throwaway lines just oh, to yeah. mention the songs um, you can do like Where a drinking game come from she came uh, through the bathroom window oh I, I have a problem with that in particular because we see <laughs> we see prudence come through the bathroom window all we yeah. need is the visual yeah right I, exactly I, when i was watching that i was thinking i hope they don't say this me too it would I'm be like, really subtle and clever if they just let us see it and beatles fans will like connect well, the no. dots yeah. but then they just had to do go and you know say it explicitly which made it corny yeah exactly but, uh, it was like two two on the nose like the sadie character's like where did you come from and then they i was like don't say yeah. it don't <laughs> say it and then they said it i'm like come on like have faith yeah. like we know the reference we can we can get it there um yeah. so the, this movie is i feel like very on the nose a mm-hmm. lot of the times yeah there's not a lot of subtlety per se not that maybe there had to be but um you know you kind of get a lot of themes and messages you would expect from like a 60s era musical movie right like like themes of anti-war and covering like the um like the hippie movement of new york you know and like downtown in the village and such so it's it's nice to see them explore that world but um you know we're getting basically what you'd expect anyway you know very common archetypes similar themes of again anti-war and love and whatnot i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing like what else would you do you know should you do more or should you just basically like try to just um, embrace the things that are already familiar 
about that place in time. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of split on that. Like, should you do more or should you just, like, it, go full on? Well, I think I think uh, Julie Tamer was aiming to, you know, she took a really this project was a very ambitious undertaking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to kind of completely summarize what the '60s represented, um, you know, and and she like kind of states that objective right off the bat after we you know after we we get a close up of Jude singing. Uh, you know, is there anybody going to listen to my story? And then there's mm. like waves breaking over clips of like, you know, race riots and, uh, you know, and Vietnam War and um, all of these, uh, you know, central events of the 60s. And, uh, you know, I, I think it felt a bit crowded with all that it was, was mm. trying to cover. Like, uh, a. Uh, you know, but overall, the like the bridge from the early '60s, the time of innocence and joy, to the more turbulent and chaotic late mm-hmm. '60s, uh, you know, it handled that effectively. And um, I think cramming more into it would have just made it feel a little, you know, too claustrophobic, too, am- sure, too yeah. ambitious. So I think sticking to those like tried and true themes um, was a good choice because it allowed you know, the focus to be on the music and, uh, yeah. cause that's essentially what it was, a, you know, love letter to the Beatles and, and what they meant and, you know, telling the story of the sixties through that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think it took just the right amount, uh, to chew on. And, uh, yeah. You know, I, I like what you said too, about like starting from the age of innocence of the early sixties to the more turbulent times, of the later sixties. Cause that also is reflective of the Beatles music themselves, right? Like the more simpler, yeah. Um, you know, like like radio friendly, uh, classic stuff. To you know, when the band in the later '60s were having those internal problems and started being more experimental, and you know, it's interesting how this movie maybe is showing how their evolution of their music also reflects the evolution of the times. Um, so I, you know, I I kind of I like the parallel there. Um, but uh, you know, with with doing maybe too much. I agree. I think there's in the one of the first scenes, like when they do Let It Be, for example, they're touching mm-hmm. a little bit on the civil rights movement, but they kind of don't really address it again afterwards, right? Um, so I'm not sure if they should have mm. maybe like explored that a little bit more if you're going to introduce it or if you, you're just going to maybe like hint at it. I'm you know, not mm-hmm. sure. I know I took the, that as uh, like an act break. Mm. What's that? Keep... Like act one. I took that as like an act break, like act one – the you know the late early sixties to like act two the the tumultuous times of the sixties and I think it's like how do you put a, how do you do a cover like let it be into this movie I guess this is yeah this is the sixties and this is how to do it mm-hmm. yeah I I thought like that scene um, you know I, I at first when I rewatched it I was a bit taken aback by it. Um, uh, but you know, I think it it was really like the first sad moment of the film after the first like twenty minutes. Uh, you know, we learned that um, Lucy's uh, you know boyfriend had died in the war, and mm-hmm. I, I think they brought in like the the Detroit uh, race riots because they wanted to show that you know other communities were suffering during this time as well, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they just wanted to make it like. Uh, Without like going too far into it, if they went further into it, 
it would have uh, just felt too bloated. But uh, mm-hmm. they wanted to at least touch on it to show like the different kinds of pain that was that were felt during these times. And yeah, on maybe, that note, I mm-hmm. they I know they did like make you know they had a scene where Jude's watching like Mark uh, TV footage of Martin Luther King assassination mm-hmm. at the end. Um, but yeah, you know, it, they'd feel like there was something a little bit off about juxtaposing those two things and let it be. Um, yeah, yeah. I th- it was I guess... moving by itself, but there was just yeah. something a little bit incomplete. I think, um, yeah, I think it's good that they at least addressed the civil rights. I mean, if you're doing about like a movie about the 60s movements, like you can't ignore the civil rights by any means. Um, but again, like that wasn't the focal point. So I guess, you know, they mentioned a little bit here and there. Um, and yeah, in the context of let it be, you know, there's like, again, a powerful dichotomy between like, you know, how the times are affecting, you know, people of different communities. But that's the thing too. I feel like a lot of times there are some songs in this movie that work well within their own bubble or context, like as an interesting Mm -hmm. music video of an updated version of a Beatles song, but sometimes they don't really add that much to the movie itself. Like, I thought, for example, um, like, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Really mm. interesting visuals, really experimental and cool, but, like, does it have any effect on what's going on in the story? Like, not really. I'm yeah. okay with that, though, uh, just because, you know, the first thing you see in the Wikipedia is this is a jukebox. Uh, mm. This is a jukebox romantic drama. And the word jukebox, I don't, I can't, like... I'm trying to think of other successful jukebox movies, and I think like Mamma Mia comes to mind. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is something. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, I can't even remember any songs from Moulin Rouge except for the the one with the four people. Uh, uh, but the the I'm trying to. Th- uh, it reminds me of an earlier episode that we did, JJ, The Greatest Showman, where we're basically watching a play, and this kind of this reminded me of like plays like Hair, where there well, is kind of a plot. But it, like every song is you, they actually they they managed to work a very good for the benefit of Mr. Kite dealing with the the acid movement of and you know I am the Walrus with Bono. Hey, good for Bono for legit staying a couple days and acting. But they actually yeah. it's based off Ken Casey and Timothy Leary and that part of the '60s too. Well. um you know, when you mention hair, I mean, this is a very similar story to hair. You have like a guy yeah. who burns his draft notice and you have people like hanging out in downtown New York in the late 60s. There's definitely um, very similar story elements. Um, but hair is universally acclaimed. Like hair is like one of those like I, I did. It is like high marked. And it's just like hair also has cliched and one note characters. Why? Well, it can work. Maybe some of the things that hair does works really well for the theater. Because I mean, first of all, yeah. this is again. It was it was. It's about the '60s, but hair was something that was made and performed originally in the '60s. So yeah, that, true. That true. was um, you know, in the theater back then, people experimented more, and that was yeah, maybe a plotless show, but that was kind of more of an experience than anything else. That's fair. Um, and this also, this movie feels like yeah, it has a feel of a musical. It feels like it's almost based on a musical that never was made. <laughs> you know, it's almost like it skipped a step. Like you know, maybe you make the musical jukebox Beatles show for stage and then you adapt it into film but they just went straight to film with it because a lot of these things I feel like are getting in terms of like a loose story or not developed characters you can get away with 
in a big production musical, but film critics um, typically don't let that slide. Mm. Yeah. Curmudgeons. I, I, I think well, it's a little bit curmudgeon Yeah. Yeah, there was so, you know, there was so little dialogue in the film, and, um, you know, they, they relied on the songs to tell the story, and, you know, most of the time that worked really well. Uh, but uh, like going back to being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, you know, they had to cover these like sort of uh, nonsensical psychedelic lyrics uh, if they wanted to get a full picture of the Beatles and tell the story of the 60s. And um, so like including songs like that uh, didn't you know bother me too much, but sometimes they did seem to uh, like, uh, you know, use the songs as like, uh, Deus, ex, Deus Ex Machina, you know, plot devices to they like they needed a way to get Jude like going west and then <laughs> returning to New York and mm-hmm. and that and like just getting like going on a psychedelic road trip was the only way of achieving that. So it mm-hmm. kind of felt like an easy out. Um, yeah. I don't know, but I I, t- I think your point about some of the songs working better self-contained is valid mm-hmm. for some of them. Sure. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I I, I kind of appreciate maybe how almost every song has its own style because obviously the Beatles covered so many styles, uh, but then sometimes like the songs were like bleeding into like what was actually happening, right? Like I thought like one like there's uh, the Oh Darling uh, mm-hmm. when oh. when the band when it's like the characters of Sadie and JoJo who I do appreciate like you know that they're almost like nods to janice joplin and Jimi mm-hmm. hendrix i appreciate that but i thought that was funny like they're singing the song oh darling and jojo is reacting to the lyrics as if that's something sadie is saying to him like yeah. what do you mean like you didn't need me anymore like someone <laughs> should have told him like dude it's, they're just performing a song <laughs> these are just <laughs> lyrics she's yeah. not saying this to you in this moment right now because then he like starts fucking up the show so that's yeah. it kind of sometimes like they're really actually performing the songs. Which is I, you know, I, yeah, I liked how literal it was. Some of those moments cracked me up, like, you know, with a little help from my friends. Like, uh, you know, I, I love need, that. I loved, I, it just, one of the parts that made me laugh a lot was like, I, you know, I need somebody to love. And this old, he goes to this old man at the bar. He's like, could it be anybody? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just the way everyone joins in on these songs and they communicate through it. Um, I enjoyed that know. a lot in the, the Come Together which is kind of like the JoJo introduction. Got Joe Cocker. Uh, Joe. Yeah, that's a, I thought that was – It's such a great nod. I thought that was a great um, like way that you know JoJo is like walking through like the grimy streets of New York City at night, and all these little lies are singing this song come together because I feel like that song has always elicited that sort of like setting for me. You know, like a dark street at night in New York, and you have all these kind of like grimy characters. I feel like that was a great um, take on that song. Although there was one weird moment when they all of a sudden switched to JoJo, like walking amongst a bunch of like stockbrokers on Wall Street or something, uh-huh. and they, then they start dancing like it's West Side Story. I'm like, no, 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 go back to like the pimp and the prostitutes. <laughs> like, why are we all of a sudden like doing ballet in front of the World Trade Center? Like, uh, do, do the other thing. Um, so like, I don't. Know, sometimes like, I'm like taking this. I, I, it's not a movie I can take totally seriously by any means. Um, because I don't know, like sometimes there's like little funny moments that take me out of it like that. What do I do when my love is away? Does it worry you to be alone? 
trying to think of uh, like uh, like i think they did a they did unique covers of the songs too like uh ken you brought up i want you i thought it was so clever that they did it in terms of a vietnam draft like you have the trippy you uh uncle sam saying i want you and the imagery of them carrying the statue of liberty i just thought that uh and also prudence's i want to hold your hand that i think is such a like it it's not what the song's about in but it's so it kind of is in her version. Yeah, like though you know, it's funny you picked out those two songs because those are two that you know I think my reactions to have changed since first watching this, you know, thirteen years ago to watching it now. Like the, you know, those were two of the highlights for me uh, this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, especially uh, I want you. Uh, you know that that's that that song just did a brilliant job of. Uh, Showing how, like, you know, depersonalized or dehumanized draft draftees became, mm-hmm. and then, you know, carrying, yeah, symbol of America mm-hmm. as they trample, like, these Vietnamese villages underneath is, uh, yeah, just a really apt reworking of the song. It had nothing to do with what the song was about. I mean, most Beatles songs, even the late period ones, are love songs. Um, yeah. But, you know, and I, I think that's kind of one thing this movie does brilliantly is it like you know it uses these these love songs and um you know sets it in the context of this essentially a love story but also broadens it out to include uh you know i guess a love story of the decade or of sorts yeah. if that makes definitely any seems sense, to be but... a, i think there's a few love letters going on right it's not just a love love letter to the beatles but i agree i think it's a love letter to the era and um you know an homage to everything that was going on I feel mm-hmm. like um, I was definitely more interested in the unique interpretations of songs like I Want You or Dear Prudence. I actually, I know you guys mentioned, um, you know, a little help from my friends, but if anything, I got a little bored with that song because I feel like that was, you know, it was just a bunch of guys running around for a few minutes. I thought I got a yeah. little repetitive after a while. I'm like, I get it. They're drunk oh, and man. they're they're fooling around. But that to me, I would like, like to sing that with you drunk. guys one night. Like once this once this quarantine ends, we're going to a uh, bar and we're gonna sing that song and maybe if we get sure. the whole bar singing. But, but I love when the drunk guy falls over and he's like hitting the air to the drum fill. <laughs> da-da, yeah. da-da, da-da. That was um, that was a little cute. Um, but I I feel like though the majority of that song is just people running around the campus for three or four yeah. minutes. I got I got a little impatient with that one. It's choice. <laughs> Wrap it up, folks. Yeah. <laughs> like let's go. Uh, let's move on. Now. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, the, I'm trying to think what other songs had a more unique interpretation. Or just, you know, like, I, I enjoy, like, the more um, experimental visuals. You know, like, in I Am the Walrus, you expect that to be a trippy song. But I feel mm-hmm. like that, that was not a letdown. That definitely um, used some, like, interesting use of, like, color manipulation. And, you know, like, it took advantage of the song for its, like, potential to be you know, doing some interesting things um, film-wise. And it did capture, like, uh, Bono is uh, a Ken Casey proxy. Like, you know, that's another character. And Ken Casey, uh, one of my favorite books is The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which is just 
a bunch of hippies going around the United States taking acid on a school bus, like and meeting up with Timothy Leary. Kind of, it, it is what people did in the like. It's another honoring the '60s. In that. You know what's funny though? So actually, the character uh, Bono plays, his name is actually Doctor Robert, which again is like a Beatles song from yeah. that's from Revolver, correct? Um, mm-hmm. But I just thought that was funny. Like he's the walrus and he's Doctor Robert. Like, <laughs> like does that, you know, like whatever. Like fine. But um, you know, I'm pretty sure the, well, walrus, the walrus is, is also the Paul. Eggman. Oh, that's and the Eggman. Yeah, the walrus yeah. is everything. <laughs> I am that's you, true. and you know. You yeah, it's something you would say on acid. We are all together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's something you would say on acid, and I always uh, the. Uh, uh, the, because the world is, like that's you know, I like it, how it, they included it fits because that move I yeah. like I like how they included because 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 uh, that is <laughs> first of all that's off of my favorite album from the Beatles which is Abbey Road but that is actually like a really um, beautiful song with really intricate harmonizing and I didn't really I forgot that was in this movie and it's not one that I would expect to be in this movie and I guess any as a Beatles fan when you see like a personal favorite of yours that maybe isn't the most famous song of theirs mm-hmm. to pop up in a movie like this, like kind of bumps it up in your, you know, you're, you, you appreciate it a little more. Like they really are doing their best to like service both like, you know, maybe casual fans of the Beatles and the more in-depth fans. Again, with Easter eggs too, like yeah. I'm sixty. I'm surprised Eleanor Rigby never like. Uh, did I miss her? Like I, 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 I'm not asking for the song, but there was no character named Eleanor. Maybe Rigby. you could have had like a lonely neighbor named Eleanor who lived next yeah, door. Or I something. don't know. I love, I love that Beatles song, and oh, that's a great uh, one. I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting it in the, but it's like okay, they're having everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, obviously, like all the characters. I'm not have taking to be points off from don't Beatles worry. I wanted a songs. Mag- I wanted a Maggie May. Where was she? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what other what other characters I would have liked to have seen, but uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'm, no. Jude, Jude, Jude represented Jude represented like you know the the Beatle. Like he is the guy yeah. from Liverpool. Coming yeah, to I thought it was so funny. He's from Li- he's a mop top haired kid from Liverpool. <laughs> um, Scouser. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I like that. Ever Rachel Wood, who doesn't. Brilliant job. Uh, She's she Lucy. plays, you know, that that could have been the housewife of the fifties, getting becoming the revolutionary of the sixties. She get like the, everyone has their own proxy. Mm-hmm. Her brother is the Vietnam guy, Maxwell. <laughs> Maxwell, <laughs> interesting character. Yeah. I was expecting him to like hit someone with a hammer at one exactly. point. Exactly. Well, maybe that's in his future because you know he does like the Vietnam War does mess him up a little bit, and so mm. you know maybe he's maybe he's you know become uh psychotic and will in the future attack someone with a silver hammer yeah anyone named joan anyone named joan look out (laughs) for this maxwell joan don't be quizzical joan (laughs) do not go out to the the don't study metaphysical science yeah Uh, (laughs) watch out um yeah i brought wings everybody (laughs) like they do a sequel it's just like i got wings oh i you know it's all wing songs there is there actually is a sequel in the works what do you uh, call it? Band on the Run? <laughs> no, um, but it's, it's uh, apparently it's got it's going to be set in the seventies um, hmm. to star you know Evan Rachel Wood and Jim Sturgis again. Oh, okay. Um, so wait, are we uh, serious? I am serious. Yeah, I just this uh, movie did not make enough money to warrant a sequel. I the Beatle people did not show up for this movie. No, it yeah. lost money, like, but it was a sleeper hit. You know, it was. Um, I think, you know, I think it did attract a cold following. <laughs> yeah. 
on stars three premium, times a day. Premium cable, right. I suppose. Yeah, I could see this eventually being like a cult classic if there was some revival. I don't think it's happened yet, but it has the potential to. Because it is, I feel like actually at the time, people were enjoying these new renditions of the songs, right? Like, because some of them are like fun and um, interesting mm. updates. Um, actually, I, yeah. although I, I, there was this one girl I remember actually I got really annoyed with because she said that some of the versions of the songs were better than the original Beatles versions. I, and I was like, oh, okay, I wouldn't go that far. Exactly. One I, is on I've, par. I've one had is f- on par for me. Really? Which, one is on par. Which one? Uh, I've just seen a face. I just loved I, that. Was the song that always stuck with me from that movie. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, I, I just dig the way the cover of it. Which one was that? Was that and, yeah. Uh, yeah? That was when they're bowling. The bowling I've just alley. Seen yeah. a face. I can't yeah. forget. And I thought that I think it's just like a great music video in and of itself. But I think it's on par. And I love that Beatles song. That's probably one of my favorites. I thought that was the most yeah. musical version. The most musical moment of the show, of the movie, I should say, is when uh, they're, like, doing this choreography on bowling alleys. I'm like, this is, like, a very, like, Broadway musical movie yeah, sort there. of moment to have, like, this bowling alley choreography. Yeah. I have expected and some that, guy. I, and I, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I, I just on that note of the bowling alley, did you notice, like, how many... How many sports scenes were there in the first part of the movie? Oh, it's the football you know, they've scene. Got, uh, basketball and I wanna, singing? That's a yeah, good shot. Yeah, I want to hold your hands at a you know, football practice. That's a good I've just point. seen a face is uh, bowling. That. They've got a basketball scene. They've got golfing on the roof like uh, yeah. with, uh, yeah. with Maxwell. They've oh, got, wow. Uh, you know, That's it funny. seemed like they were doing sort of a panorama of American sports. And I, I guess looking at the most popular sports of the time maybe is just one way of Mm-hmm. sort of chronicling american culture of the 60s mm-hmm. um yeah i i but, uh, totally but they were that. also yeah. effective effective setups for dance sequences too, yeah I guess. I guess like something about like sports lent itself to like choreography for example right um yeah so it, it, worked it gave, gave everyone a, it gave everyone an excuse to dance yeah yeah being like kind of like matching like you know costumes and stuff yeah even uh hold me tight yeah like they're doing the um you know you're doing the basketball like uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sports and choreography. I mean, sports and sports stars always win Dancing with the Stars. So. Yeah, no, that's true. Athletes on that <laughs> show. Um, but uh, I, I kind of during that bowling scene, I half expected like I was kind of hoping like there'd be a guy coming on like the the loudspeaker going like Get off the alleys, you damn kids! Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's Yoko Ono. Like I got get off the alley. Can you imagine if they introduced like a Yoko character like towards the end? <laughs> she, like she splits oh, up all God. the characters. That'd been funny. I can't forget the time or place where we just met She's just a girl for me And I want all the world to see we met Mmm I'd have been another day I might have looked the other way And I'd have never been a word But as it is, I'll dream of her tonight Die, 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 die Falling, yes I am falling And she keeps calling me back again Um, what do you guys think of uh, the actors in this movie, though, because we mentioned like Jim Sturgis and Evan Rachel Wood. Do you think they were? I mean, I, again, we were mentioning how they're more archetypes than characters, but do you do you think they yeah. they brought um, enough to to these roles, or do you think they could have done more? Oh yeah, top notch. They're all perfectly cast, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Jim Sturgis kind of has this like roguish, uh, Teddy Boy like aspect to him at the beginning but then he softens up and his artistic side comes out and he's just a charming actor and uh you know he has chemistry with all 
those he interacts with and you know evan rachel wood is just perfect too i mean um uh, you know like keith was saying earlier he uh she kind of you know, she goes from being someone who's about to enter into a, like, domestic, uh, you know, um, uh... Yeah, like, like lifestyle, right? Stereotypical lifestyle, and then changes, kind of becomes radicalized by the, uh, mm-hmm. the revolutionaries, the social democrats she meets in New York City. Sure, and, yeah. Um, but she, you know, she portrays that all very convincingly, and, you know, other standouts, like, you know, Sadie, uh, played by, you know, Dana Fuchs, mm-hmm. was, uh was excellent i mean yeah. her, her voice just sounded so much like janice joplin and yeah uh, i do have to say i think though that the whole plot line with sadie and jojo like you know i thought that was a little bit contrived how the uh, the brands the band's about to break up because she's gonna go solo i thought that was like all a little cliched like i wasn't as really invested in their whole storyline which seemed to like uh resolve by itself with not a lot of um payoff right i call that theater that's why that, that that's what you love no but that's that happens a lot in theater and i'm not defending it like prudence just kind of goes away yeah, <laughs> was up with that. yeah like, you know it, i i think they could have like in, you know they could have diminished the whole jojo sadie storyline and amped up the prudence one because mm-hmm. no i think that would have been more meaningful like if this is a this is a, a movie attributed to the beatles and while it's nice to have a nod to, like, Janice and Jimmy, you know, like you said, like, I mean, do they really need that? Like, does yeah. that really talk about uh, the prevailing themes of the 60s too much? You know, it, I think it depends it, on the it's, song. It's more of a surface level thing. And yeah. I think, like, you know, focusing on the, uh, on, like, the Prudence character and, you know, her, her, um, you know her trials as uh, as a gay person yeah um during the sexual revolution of the 60s you know i think that would have been more meaningful especially because she's the one who's introduced early on and like they set uh, her up right and it would have been more interesting to uh have her maybe be like the person who's like benefiting from the sexual revolution like you said the one exploring her sexuality uh you know that that could have been a lot more interesting especially again since in that late 60s era like a lot of the Beatles songs were maybe getting a little more sexually charged, right? So yeah. um, that that had a lot more potential, and again would have maybe elevated the movie more than, like I said, this sort of cliched sort of like band breaking up storyline that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. I think like Prudence when they find her at the circus of all places, like this it shows her I think having now a girlfriend or something. But again, it kind of seems like she she sort of gets forgotten about by the end of the movie so that was disappointing yeah i agree i agree with that i think they put plot and characters understandably so i think they focus on like how do we get from song a to song b to song c and what songs go in a b and c as opposed to like okay like unless you guys are bigger uh know-it-alls than i am when it comes to the beatles who what's could you think of other songs you could give prudence um I mean, they give her the Dear Prudence song, right? But, like, she doesn't sing I, that. And I love the reference to that. I love the reference, though, because that's based on, like, I think everyone was hanging out with the Maharishi Gandhi and Mia Farrow is there and her sister mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. – her sister, I think, his name is Prudence, and she you you know, know, locked oh. herself into the closet. And they're like, that's inspired the song Dear Prudence. Is it too on the nose, Here's though? something. Oh, yeah, Ken, go ahead. Well, you know it... – random what if scenario but since we do have the sadie character you know we could have had prudence like falling in love with sadie 
and then Sadie somehow betraying That's her. That's I like and that. And because the song's sexy, Sadie, yeah. not only is it I think a great Beatles song, but uh, you know, it's a it's about disillusionment from like the Maharishi uh, in India, but you know, it could apply. I could see Prudence singing. Um, sexy sexy Sadie. Sadie. Yeah, that's right. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Uh, and that would have developed her storyline. It would have involved Sadie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I bet Julie Taymor is listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> oh, son Take of a bitch. Notes, Julie. Put, it in, put it in the sequel. <laughs> put it in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, do you think it was a little too on the nose, though, when they're singing the Dear Prudence? She is literally in a closet. <laughs> like, is that yeah, intentional? Yeah, that was. That well, that's exactly why the song was written. Uh, mm, yeah. You know, when John Lennon was in India mm. with the other Beatles, uh, Mia, Mia Farrow's, Farrow's yeah, yeah right. she was like secluding herself, and so mm-hmm. John wrote the song to get her out of her room. Um, and uh, yeah, like that's such a beautiful song. That's like honestly one of my favorite Beatles songs, and I mm-hmm. think it could have been done more creatively than just literally like standing outside of a you know room oh, yeah. and asking her to come out. Oh. With no engagement from you know all 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 uh, you know all that um, all she has to do um, she just kind of walks you know, out and smiles. Name? All she does is look sad, smiles. Yeah, <laughs> like give her give her more to do. It's like literally her she, namesake song, right? That. And she kind of like doesn't play much of a part in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe and she really sang her first song so beautifully. Uh, you know, yeah. she delivered. I, yeah, I. That was a great cover. Mm-hmm. I want to hold your hand. You know, she did that really well. And yeah, I like that yeah. rendition. Like it was like a very um, moody and uh, slower paced version of that song that I think re- worked really well. And not that every single song needs to have like a totally different style or pace to it, but I'm glad that they did that for at least a few of them. Right? Like you know, you maybe some songs you want to just hear as is, but then other songs you want to get like a new take on it. And because this is this is the time to do it, right? If you're gonna do um, all different kinds of like takes on Beatles songs, like here you go, this is your opportunity. Um, so they take advantage of it for the most part, but of course, there's always there's always room for more. Uh, Evan Rachel Woods, uh, she, she's a she's a national treasure at this point, and but I loved her uh, rendition of Blackbird. Yeah, that was that was very nice. I thought that was excellent. You know, I forgot she was even in this. Um, as I, I wasn't like, I feel like a lot, not a lot of these actors appeared in a ton of stuff after this, so I kind of forgot about the, most are theater, I think, right? That, that would be appropriate. Like Prudence's, yeah. Uh, I I kind of forgot about this actress, and then you know I watched the first couple seasons of Westworld, right? So now I feel like most people know her as this like psychopath murderer robot um, <laughs> on, on HBO. <laughs> uh, so it was interesting just to go back and see her playing like you know obviously a more human character. Um, so like, uh, I don't know. Like, I hope, I hope like she is able to branch out after Westworld too. Uh, cause I think maybe she's an actress who gets overlooked. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, I, girl can sing. Yeah, I, definitely. Everyone can sing. In the, I, or I just like, I'm, I, I'm just trying to what, I'll ask the critics, like what more do you want from this movie that try, like it's trying to walk so many lines of who it's honoring and how it's honoring i'm just mm-hmm. i feel like the com- critics are such curmudgeons with this i think a lot of times yeah. critics are not a fan of style over substance and mm. uh you know film could be really anything you want it to be there's no like rule book like you know like a, a movie has to have like whatever like x y and z in its story so you know obviously in a lot of conventional movies we want like a well thought out story and and um, thought out characters 
But for this, this definitely seems to be just aiming for something else. This movie has different goals in mm -hmm. mind, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so maybe it's just being judged by a wrong set of standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when yeah, the style, so. when the style of this movie is so arresting and beautiful, you know, I think every song, every sequence worked well in its own way, and there were some really magnificent, like underwater scenes, for example, and mm -hmm. these large puppets and this wonderful choreography like when the style is so good isn't that like isn't that why we enjoy going to musicals in the first place mostly like yeah, I, I you know agree. if we want a strong uh character development you know there's other other vehicles for that mm -hmm. yeah um, i i agree so I, like you know it's and in in being that this is a film obviously you can do a lot more than you could just on a stage and it's taking advantage of that there's like you know just a lot of um you know, things that it, you know, I feel like you're you're being transported to a whole different world. Obviously, it's taking place in the '60s, but uh, there's just um, you know when you when you when you do a musical and film version, you can do a lot more. And I think that for the most part, it's taking advantage of that. So um, I appreciate that. I I just looked up because uh, I was curious. I'm like, I know a lot of people like Mamma Mia, and that's also I would it's a, that's a movie I would compare it to jukebox. And that movie has three actors. I can't say. Actually, uh, but I just I actually would. Which, which movie? Mamma Mia. Uh, Mamma oh, Mia. Oh, okay. The Abba jukebox. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mamma Mia doesn't really have like. Um, it's not really a. But critics weren't good on that no, either. No, no. I mean, Mamma Mia is fun and all. Uh, I actually caught a little bit on TV last night. That's that's kind of funny. But um, that movie is like in terms of style, like you know, very straightforward. It's not doing like experimental type of like cinematography or anything. Uh, I would maybe compare this one, this Across the Universe, a little bit more so to Moulin Rouge, since that does more things stylistically in terms of, like, sets and um, editing and, th and things like that. It takes place in a more stylized world, for example, than Mamma Mia does. Um, so that might be, you know, if, if people like Moulin Rouge, like, Across the Universe could be a good companion piece. Well, my, uh, my thing with Moulin Rouge, and I... I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, is that's not taking from a band, right? It's that's taking, not it's taking like, from several bands. It's it's not one artist yeah, really. in particular. It's like several. It's like Rock of Ages, it's, Madonna, Nirvana, across different genres too. Yeah, it's it's popular oh, music in I need general. To check this yeah, out. it takes from like the police. It takes from pop and rock and you know all sorts of genres. So uh, oh. yeah, it's it's because oh, I was gonna say if you you're kind of beholden to a set of rules, meaning the songs, like you kind of have to find the plot in the songs, right? And I'm like, I mean, if anything, it's some it's some bands are harder than others. Oh, I'm Tommy for sure, for sure. Uh, well, you know, like if like Tommy is in like the Who's Tommy, is that what you're saying? Or yeah, yeah. well, that is like, did they ever make a movie of oh, that? Oh yeah, they did oh, yeah. in uh, I think the mid '70s, starring like the the lead singer Roger Daltrey, and then they had a bunch of other big mm -hmm. rock stars at the time make appearances. And that movie is like outrageous. That movie is really like like crazy at times. I can feel the internet yelling Jack, at me, going, "You haven't seen yeah, any yeah, of these." Yeah. Even uh, Jack Nicholson sings in. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. And the that he he has a song, and who was who's a big interest? Uh, Anne Margaret, right? Belton's 
And Margaret's oh, the lead actress yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. She was a big and star Margaret, at the time. Yeah, Roger Daltrey. And, Elton John. Uh, Elton John. Yeah, and Pinball Wizard. Eric Clapton. Yeah. And Keith Moon. And that has that's a 70s that now, audience and critic. But, of course, that oh. one, like, the songs were tailored to tell a story. Like, right. The album, Tommy, is True. already. That's like a Coed can Like, Coed can make a great movie right. if they want like, to. The or, album, like, Coed and Cambria. Coed and, oh, Coed oh, and oh, Cambria. Oh, yeah. Like, their whole albums are based right. on stories. So that, that like, yes. Yeah, so, like, Tommy, for example, is all from one album in the same order because that album originally is telling a story. So they're just taking basically the film version of that album. Oh, wow. Whereas here, you know, this is more jukebox because, you know, it's there's more freedom. You select what you're taking from. Select what songs you want, make it work how you want, in whatever order you want. Or at least that makes sense for the story you're trying to tell. Okay. I, I'm, I'm trying to get a little what the critics – into the critic mindset with it, but I'm still going yeah, like let's see a little bit the more. challenge that they had for them, that the challenge that the this Julie and everyone had for them. I think once I, like I'm totally I don't know what score I'm gonna give it yet, but I'm totally siding with the audience. Just that it, a a lot of movies are a lot of movies that in the fifty range for me. It's like oh you're enjoying the movie, but you're really wa- waiting for the moment if it's on TV. I feel like if you caught this movie on tv you'd be captivated by it and you're like oh wow i just watched the whole movie at least that's what it was for me like oh you know i'm catching it mr kite and then you end up you know oh my god i have to watch this movie till yeah the end. i can imagine people having their favorite parts of it like oh i really enjoyed this part or that part and sticking around for that um because again like because so many of the songs sometimes work even better on their own you can maybe just pick and choose what you want like say back in the day yeah, you're watching this on the DVD. You go through like the the DVD yeah. scenes on the menu. You know, you just get to your favorite parts and, and skip around. You can do that too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it works on that level. I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, this movie is more of an experience than anything else. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's it's experimental in different ways, and uh, you know, it's more about the feeling you get than than as opposed to. Um, trying to tell like a specific original story so in terms of like if you're feeling the things they're conveying through the songs um then i feel like that's a success yeah yeah i i I think if like i was uh when julie showed it to like paul mccartney and someone was like is there anything you didn't like about the movie he goes like what's not to like yeah like i think julie like this movie has a lot of the beatles ringo paul Olivia Harrison and Yoko Ono, they like they all loved it. And like, what's yeah, what's not to love? Yeah, um, like I'm trying to think too. I think they did a good job, um, also like pulling from like songs that like were written by George. Songs written. I mean, obviously, like all the Paul and Ringo was happy. Uh, yeah, Ringo. All the <laughs> yeah, songs. Even flying, they had flying. I noticed that. And four, Blue yeah. Jay Way. I think it was like a little background instrumental when like they're getting on like their hippie bus or something. Like again, like what's in that garden? Octopuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They just put a bunch of they cut that octopuses in a garden. Um, again, like a so- like songs like that, Blue Jay Way and Flying. Um, old, like experienced Beatles like fans will like recognize those songs. So again, catering to those old school fans, but you don't have to know those songs obviously to enjoy this movie. Um, it just, uh, again, like you want to appeal to both the casual and the diehards. And, um, I, I, I think they're able to do that. I mean, if anything, they might be able yeah. to make convert casual fans into diehards. If this is maybe an introduction 
to some of these songs people might not have heard, it could um, spark interest and they can do a, a deeper dive because there's a lot well, there's, to choose from. It, it, they don't sing Yellow Submarine, but there are the Blue Meanies. Like yeah. there's every yeah. little aspect. Uh, like they sing on the end of the roof. I mean, that's like it. That's mm-hmm. and and that's probably the best way to end a movie like this. Uh, just the them singing on the roof for whatever. I reason. will say I feel like this movie might be a little too long. Like when I first start, I'm like, oh, this is mm-hmm. over two hours. Like I don't. I, yeah, I can agree. You with know, you it on might that. it might be a little too long. Again, the, there's probably tempting to like try to put as many songs as you want to because obviously the Beatles have such a long discography like there's so many songs to choose from uh but um you know it did it did feel like it went on just a little bit too too long for me first for a movie that doesn't really have like you know much of um of it that doesn't have an in-depth story to be so long I don't think it had to be mm-hmm. um I mean did it feel right. like at any point it might have dragged or it might have like felt a little slow at certain parts i i think Uh, i don't know i i felt like it dragged a little bit during um like jude's uh kind of conflict with lucy and like mm -hmm. i even though i i seem to i like the way they did revolution um i don't know that whole angsty period Mm -hmm. um just felt a little too I don't know, self-serious, and it was really missing the lightness that carried the first part of the movie through. Sure, yeah. A lot of the way. Um, yeah, I would agree with you, Ken. That like, in, like when they're singing, like, granted, I like the songs, I like the way they did it, but like, happiness is a warm gun. Like a, around that part of the movie mm-hmm. is when it kind of started to drag a little bit. You know what's yeah. interesting about the way they did happiness is a warm gun because they show like the Maxwell character it. getting like an injection from a syringe. And I think that's like a common misinterpretation of that song. I was reading about that. Uh, I was reading about this because some people originally thought that that song was about maybe like, oh, a gun maybe really means like a heroin needle or something, which John Lennon like denied. Again, like a song could be whatever you interpret it to be. But I think that's Mm -hmm. like an interesting take that that was like something that people had thought it meant, but maybe like. It's about sex, right? It could mean a few different things, but um, like Selma Hayek, you get five times the Selma Hayek in it. Like that's what like. Wait, she's in that? Oh yeah, she's the nurse. Oh, she's, I mm-hmm. I totally missed that. Like that's why I'm like, happiness is a warm gun. I, I mean, it could death of the author. Like it, they tr- they kind of balance that line of having it be drugs and sex. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, that one, that one. I you know, I think the you know, I, I think. Well, John Lennon's just talking about pleasure in that song, and I think, you know, principally it's about sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, certainly, like, you know, when I put my hand on your trigger and I feel, you know, uh, like, you know, he's making he's making all kinds of intentional metaphors to things like drugs and mm-hmm. just ways people get yeah. off, get excited about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of worked with the morph. Like it just, it kind of worked, but yeah, I agree with the, around that, that one point, around like the three fourths point, it kind of dragged yeah, on the part where uh, Jude gets like deported, right? Like he's in the jail cell and his dad comes back. And I feel like at that point, I like, that. well, I think at that part in the movie, I was like ready for it to like end soon. I think there was like maybe another 15, 10 to 50 minutes left to go. But at that part, I was like, all right, let's start to like wrap it up here. People. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Paul McCartney's looking at his watch. <laughs> yeah. But then, 
then, but then again, like, you know, even though it did feel like it was dragging, uh, the ending on the rooftop just, I don't know, it seemed to all come together a bit too neatly. Like, all mm. the loose ends just, like, got resolved by everyone just coming out onto the roof and singing. And All they needed was love. Oh, didn't it feel like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, didn't it feel... All, even the cops. Even the cops. They were like, you know it's what? Fine. Let these kids... Let these hippie kids... Ha- it's That's what fine. I'm saying with, like... I, that's kind of one of those... Those movies where you're going like, how do we end this? In what way? Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Like with the Sadie, the Sadie and JoJo character, like you never really see them like, you know, get together and be like, oh, I'm sorry, blah blah blah. Like all of a sudden they're just playing together again at the, this rootstop and all, and it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Like again, that's how you kind of do it in like a musical on stage. So you're seeing that in this film, uh, but like it stands out a little bit more when it's a film that it's like, wait a minute, how did you get from where you yeah. were to where you are now? And Jude just magically gets like a like a green card to come to the states again. Yeah, right. I don't know. So simple. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Like, you know, problem solved. I realize they needed an ending. Yeah, but the you know. power of music can do wonders. Can <laughs> apparently like. <laughs> um, all you have to do is play "Hey Jude" to the to the uh, customs guy, and I'll be like, yeah, "All right you, you, right, you know the Beatles. Get on, hop on in. Welcome to America." <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think if there are any other songs that I wanted to see that might not have appeared. Um, for some, I could have sworn that the Long and Winding Road was in this movie. I could have sworn I remembered it being in this movie. Maybe there was a deleted scene or something, but I don't know. I was like, oh, I, I kept like waiting for it the whole time, and it never showed up. Not that I needed it, but I'm like, oh, man, I could have sworn that was in here. for me it's like yeah i'm surprised they didn't have like a, a neighbor going eleanor rigby get back <laughs> like your husband died get away get away from here um like, in my life you know that could have been worked oh, well that's on like movie. one of their best ones yeah that could have been like a reflective song towards the end you know because it is such like um like a reflective um song of like um remembrance and um I don't know. Like that, that could have been a nice touch to have that in, even maybe just a, a condensed version. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, or you know what? Getting better. Oh, after... you know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, getting better. Or like JoJo is in it, so I was kind of like hoping to like hear a little bit of Get Back, which is one yeah, of my right, favorites. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Be interesting if they worked in Revolution Nine in there somehow. You just have a scene of like just oh, chaos God. and sounds in there. Uh, maybe that's uh-huh. also a deleted scene. <laughs> number nine number nine mm-hmm. um that, that's in the sequel we're right <laughs> that's where it leaves off better be. writing the sequel uh yeah come on give it a shot um you can do so much with that track um what's like, i'm trying to think of a silly song too like what what could you have done with maybe like um Safoy truffle that could have been an interesting number to do just have them in like a diner or something they're in a, or a candy shop and like you know max keeps reaching for different chocolates and, <laughs> yeah and jude's swatting his hand away yeah yeah um, uh, uh the, the, when uh max and jude 
moved to the city, they could have just partied hard and been like, it's a hard day's night. Yeah. And you know, they're just running in the streets from, from cops. They, they, they could do a trick of instead of girls chasing them, it's just police like get back yeah. here i'm sure you can like, like people chasing them out of the I'm bar i'm sure you could think of a way for like almost any song to like fit in if you if you really wanted it but i i for some reason like get a kick out of thinking how the most obscure or like you know like like the biggest challenges like how do you fit like this song into here if you wanted to and like like i said like i feel like a staff boy truffle or something like obviously it would not fit into this movie at all but just maybe like imagine how it could um overall though i think tri- Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ken. Yeah. You're tripping balls. Ula di, ula da. But I think the songs they chose were perfect to tell, for telling this story. I think yeah, so. You know, it, it's remarkable, especially in the first part of it, how well they were able to tell the story just with the song lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I think, th- and 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 like you know, like you were saying, JJ. Um, I think they did a fine job of balancing the more well-known hits with a few songs that are a little bit more obscure, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, definitely, uh, made it an inviting film, which, you know, even casual fans would enjoy, but I think the, uh, like, you know, big true fans would, would get more out of it with all the Easter eggs and fan service it does. Yeah. That's- but, uh, yeah, I, you know, can't complain about the song selection, except, you know, they could have maybe done with one or two less um, yeah exactly to trim the trim the time down a little bit um yeah i agree um but again like and then it's tough to choose like which ones would you get rid of yeah because even like i said like a superfluous song like being for the benefit of mr kite like i enjoy what they did with that song so i don't know if i want to see it cut because that was such like a unique sequence that you don't normally see that was eddie izzard right that was yeah yeah that was so yeah, he was, was he's, nice, he's kind yeah. of perfect for that song. I don't know if it would have gotten yeah, anyone exactly. else but him. They, his voice, they, his voice yeah. was like perfect for mm-hmm. that. They actually tried to get David Bowie for that part, but uh, hmm. they couldn't. Oh, oh well, what could have been? Eddie, oh, is wow. or, Eddie yeah, was perfect. Yeah, 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 exactly. Bowie it worked out. Good. I, I think yeah, Bowie would have been good, but it worked out really well with, um, yeah, who they wound up getting. There's nothing you can make that can't be made. No one you can save that can't be saved Nothing you can do but you can learn how to be you in time It's easy All you need is love All you need is love All you need is love 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 is all you need Um all right, so I think um, we're maybe now at the point where we can uh, give our like final like thoughts and assessments on across the universe and our like ultimate like personal scores and see. I feel like we're gonna wind up siding with the audiences, but let's let's just make sure. <laughs> so let's start with Ken. Um, your your final take on across the universe and what would your like percentage score be? Okay, so I'd say this movie. Um you know, had had emotional depth to it, um, likable characters, great performances, uh, stunning visuals. It was thoroughly entertaining the whole way through, uh, albeit a, a little bit long and uh, a little bit too heavy at times. But, you know, I think uh, f- for what it was attempting to do to be a stylish piece of, uh, you know, a, a, a period portrait of the 60s, and a love letter to the Beatles it succeeded on all those measures, 
And uh, so, are we giving like a t- out of ten rating? Or? Usually, like a like from like a, like a percentage because like that's how this out of yeah, like how the okay. scores are on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so I would probably give this a seventy-five percent rating. All right, all right, solid C. Not perfect, <laughs> but very enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. I I think that I'll probably wind up somewhere around there as well. Um, but uh, well, Keith, you're next. What 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 are your what's your take? Yeah, while the, while this movie may not be perfect, I think the threads it has to what it tries to do as a just a love letter to the Beatles to the error. I think it does so in a way that it's infectious. I think whether you have a crush or you fall madly in, I think you do have feeling. You do kind of generate some feelings for this movie, and you see what they're trying to do. And I completely disagree with the critics. And to echo Paul McCartney's sentiments, what's not to love? I'm going to give it a 73. Okay. Yeah, I think two things that worked most for me is the fact that um, I feel like it's a very sincere movie. Um, even though maybe like not all things work, I do think that um, – you know, I feel like where this movie is coming from, like where the filmmakers are coming from. And um, I, I really appreciate like the sentiments they're putting out there, which I felt even though like, you know, maybe they're boring on like cliched. But, you know, if you're talking about the Beatles and the 60s, like these are the themes that you're going to that you should be talking about. Um, and also it may be kind of like want to be in that era almost a little bit that's the other thing like the 60s i mean it makes it seem so easy to just like get an apartment in like downtown new york you know like and living with these like beatniks or hippies in the 60s uh but like even though it, were, it was turbulent times uh it still made it seem like it was still a great era to be a part of so um you know that's uh a, a good way of like getting that across you know you don't like um, you still show how hard it was, but still it was worth being there. So uh, I would give this movie, I, I'll give it like, I'm feeling a 72 on this one. Uh, so we're all around the same ballpark here. Um, but I guess, you know, Keith, I can see you doing yeah. the math. 73. 73.3. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all pretty close there. Um, okay, great. So, um I can then officially decree that on Across the Universe, we are siding with the audience. Populism. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) All you need, we should just start singing (laughs) at the end. I mean, you know, all you you need is love. Um, I always used to like to parody, um, you know, some of these Beatles songs, like, all you need is money. (laughs) There's nothing you can buy that can't be bought. I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Who sings that? Well, I'm, I'm saying like I, I just made that up. Oh, was, that was really clear. Ken and I back in the day we came up with some music parodies. Um, so this is like where my train of thought goes to. I got some yeah. weird owls here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely an inspiration. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks guys uh, for this discussion on Across the Universe. Yeah, thanks. Ken. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Ken. This was like a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, you, uh, you know, we'll definitely like to have you on again another time. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can, I don't know, maybe inspire some people to also look back into this movie. Because I feel like it's it's unfortunately gone uh, a bit forgotten in the last 13, 14 years. So, you know, who knows? I think people give it a chance. They'll feel like we do and uh, enjoy it more than they did back then. Um, but thanks, guys. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And on, uh, until next time, guys, um, you know, look out for another Divided film coming soon. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.